The Sixers Beat is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals, with prices up to 60% off. GameTime makes it easy with panoramic seat view photos so you can make an informed decision. And you can check out with just two easy tabs, which is almost as easy as closing the tab on another one of my nonsense articles. The Sixers have a lot of home games coming up, with 8 of the next 11 at the Wells Fargo Center. That includes Saturday night's meeting with Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat, which is sure to bring plenty of drama with it. Despite the game being tomorrow and it being a highly anticipated game, it's not too late to get in on the action, with tickets as low as $57. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Welcome, everybody. This is Derek Bonner, joined by Rich Hoffman on this week's Sixers Beat, part of the Athletics Podcast Network. I guess real quick before we begin, we never ask you to do this, but if you can, leave us a rating or review, especially on Apple Podcasts. We really do appreciate that. We try to keep the begging to a minimum, but every now and then we have to get that get that in there. How you doing, Rich? Got to pay the bills, man. We do have to pay the bills. So... Your nine and five seventy sixers. You know, I think if we start this podcast off anywhere else other than Ben Simmons, people might revolt. And the great thing about this Ben Simmons debate is that no matter what side you take, somebody is going to revolt. You know, he had the Sixers. I would say the down point of the Sixers season was that three game road trip. You know, they had the the pretty bad loss against the Orlando Magic. The overtime loss against the Thunder where they blew a late lead. And I think that was probably where like panic was at its highest. And they came out and they blew the doors off the Cavs. Nobody cares because they're the Cavs. And the Simmons debate in particular really seemed like that was where that was the tipping point for a lot of people. So you had, leading up to the next game, you had a lot of people who were just fed up with the lack of progress Simmons made. And then Simmons came out, first of all, was really aggressive in the beginning offensively. And then was really aggressive in seeking out, you know, I guess the way I would phrase it is he moved around the perimeter. He moved around a three-point line off the ball with a purpose he's almost never had. And I know Brown's talked a lot about, about putting him in the corner, but... I would really say against the Knicks was the first time it looked like he was standing on the perimeter with the intention to shoot. Like he had actual intention in his movements. And then he obviously came out and he made the three point shot. And Mark Zumoff had a great call. Hold me Um, back, fam. (laughs) Hold me back, fam. But like, it was almost like a, can you believe it? He actually did it moment, which you don't normally hear about a three point shot, but it's been a long time coming. And then a lot of the pro Ben Simmons people came out of the woodwork and wanted to talk about how ridiculous it is that everybody was freaking out about him not shooting about his, his early season struggles were overblown. And it's just, look, I lived through the Okafor Noel wars of 2014, 15. What a a dark period in Sixers history. Very dark, dark period. The Um, middle ages. I'm I'm a veteran of these you know, sort of holy wars that erupt in basketball 
discussion and all really an online discussion everywhere. We love to silo ourselves into a camp, dig our heels in and talk and talk and talk. And this debate is so frustrating because everybody, nobody wants to acknowledge the other side and everybody wants to argue about it. And we have seen both of that here over the last few days. So I guess we'll just start off with the shot and then we'll work backward more to his season as a whole and whether or not the shot really matters. How stunned were you, Rich? How stunned were you? I'll never forget. I guess why don't, said, why don't you tell the people what you were doing when he was loading <laughs> well, up on that I shot? I was taking a note. So a couple of minutes before that, you know, he sort of, he drifts to the corner off the ball and he, he like motions for Furcon to get out of his corner, which is a weird thing for him to do because Ben Simmons doesn't have corners. He doesn't have spots behind the three point line. And I remember looking at it and telling you about it. And you're like, was there maybe a mix up? Like, did, did he get lost on the court? He, he just doesn't do this. <laughs> And I'm like, I, truthfully, I don't know because we don't see him hunt out a corner like that. But it, there was a little mental note made and an actual note in my, my game notes about him doing that. And a couple of minutes later, I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm typing into my note document and you just start like nudging me with your elbow. We sit right next to each other on press row, obviously. And I look up just in just enough time to see the ball go through the hoop. And judging by the reaction, it was pretty obvious who shot the ball. And it was just, like I said, the first couple minutes of that game, he actually moved around the perimeter with intention and rewatching the play. Clearly it was drawn up to hunt out a Ben Simmons corner three, which a couple days ago, I didn't know if I would ever say that at all this season. So the fact that they drew that play up was really interesting. And it was an, an uh, out of bounds play. It wasn't a, you know, a, a free flowing play, but it really does seem to me. And, and, and I mean, this is, it's part of our job. That's something we should do. But it really, it's like there had to be something that the team did, that Brown did, that his teammates did, that Ben did to sort of get him past that mental block, that hurdle yeah. that he hasn't been able to get through. Because, I mean, the whole team and Ben in particular, it really did seem like they came out with an intention that that was going to be the night. Yeah, and they were lucky that the Knicks played zone on that possession as well, leaving Ben wide yeah, open took, in the corner. Took two lazy dribbles in and he had an open look. Yep. And it's uh, it's funny when you rewatch the shot, Ben takes a split step inside the three-point line mm -hmm. and something in his head realizes, I mean, that's what he does every possession of his career. He, he'll drift into the dunker spot or, or somewhere in the lane. But something went off in his head and said, you know what? I'm going to chill behind the three-point line for a second here. And from that moment, he gets the pretty lazy bounce pass from Furkan. And he shoots a perfect catch-and-shoot three. This was so much better than the preseason shot, man. Because that one, again, he was not playing against a uh, an NBA team. Although, we're going to talk about your tweet because I did not see that <laughs> on Twitter. Uh after after the game, he he just caught it and in a very concise, efficient motion shot it. And it looked like it's something that he does all the time. Even ran down the floor before it went in, a la Steph Curry. It was uh, it was something like you said a couple days ago. I, I was wondering if we'd ever see it. And now he is in the 
hundredth percentile of catch and shoot jump shooters. He, uh, <laughs> I think, uh, Tim Bontemps got in, in his piece, he got ESPN stats and info to look at it. And it, it's something we probably could have told you, but it's good when the, the bean counters can actually verify it for you. That was the first catch and shoot three of his career. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yep. And Everything looked, else was a heave, or like you said, even in the preseason, that was a, you know, a, a very persuaded pull-up jumper. Never has there been a catch-and-shoot, which, you know, going back to your point, this was way more important because it's one that you actually want him taking in the games. It was one that was actually in the flow of an offense. The shot we've what, talked about for years. The, I don't care about his pull-up jumper. I don't care about his individual scoring even. That's I need the him, shot! <laughs> I need him to do something off the ball. And, you know, I guess... You know, going it looked back, good. It, it looked good. It looked fine. It looked uh, I, and look. So go back. Going back, to my tweaks. It kind of dovetails into this. You know, I made a joke. You know, yeah. just like against the Long Lions. Oh, let's see him do it against a real NBA team. And I got a lot of blowback from Sixers fans, which I wasn't expecting about let him have his moment. No, no, that was entirely a joke about the Knicks. Okay, uh, but why? Why did you delete the tweet? You can I didn't delete the tweet. It's up there. It's up there. Okay. It's up there. Sorry. I apologize. But a lot a lot of Sixers fans really took exception to that. It's like, no, I'm making fun of the other team. Like this is the this is the joke that I finally get to make to to another fan base. Uh so it wasn't it wasn't about Ben at all. And the reason it's not about Ben, we'll almost never ask him this year to take a contested or even a quick, you know, one of the ones where it might not fall into the quote unquote contested category on NBA.com, but you would have to rush it in order to get it before it was contested. No, I'm not even, we'll almost never ask him to do that. We need him to make that exact shot, or at least take that exact shot with some regularity. One a game. Just take one a game where you're in a corner, you have 10 feet of space, and you're willing to let it fly when it's swung over to you. That's it. And you, you start doing that, and all of a sudden, rather than giving 10 feet of space, you're given 8 feet of space. And eventually that creeps up. Because and then... That, and then they start closing out at you, and then you get into the lane with ease. Oh and my god, and he has a driving so... lane, I know. And yeah. then all of a sudden the other team's in rotation, and you have passing lanes, and things just open up so much for everyone. And look, it's going to take time. But that shot he took, he can, I mean, look, so many times you say, oh, well, you can make a shot in, in practice, doesn't mean you can make it in game. Well, these shot, that shot, that shot that's a shot I saw him taking all season up to that point in shoot-arounds. Like, that is the most the least difficult, least contested NBA three you can have. That's all we're asking for. And it's not, I don't care about the level of competition. Just take that shot and stand there in that spot and grow. Because I saw, you know, Spike had a a, a tweet where he basically compared Simmons and Markel Fultz's season to date in in Spike's semi-trolly kind of way. And I saw somebody respond to him where he's like, 0% from three is better than 20% from three. And from a mathematical standpoint, you're right. But from a growth standpoint, you know, I think some people have this notion that Ben is going to practice and practice and practice and practice and not take one in the game until he's a 35% three-point shooter. And then all of a sudden, he's just going to start launching three of them a game. And that's just not the way practice works. It's not the way skill development works. It's not the way psychology works. And Ben getting, and I think you're right. I think if you go back and you watch that, he looked like he wanted to try to run to the dunker spot, run to the baseline, and something stopped him from doing that. Was it and, was it Embiid the day before uh, with, with his knows? comments in Cleveland? I don't know. 
But whatever stopped him from doing that, that needs to happen more often because that needs to become something that he doesn't run away from. It needs to be something that just becomes commonplace. And then guess what? We'll, we'll stop asking these questions about it. You know, would I say that you're going to see a new Ben Simmons? No, it would be silly for anyone to think that one shot is all it takes to get kind of through that hurdle that he clearly had. But I, I hope that this is just the first step of, of, of many. Like, I hope this isn't a, I showed him I can do it. Everyone's off my back. I'm going to go back to my comfort zone because he does need to step outside of his comfort zone in order for, in order for this team to make its next step as a, uh, as a group. This is going to be the easiest take of the night for me. They're going to be playing the San Antonio Spurs on Friday night. Brett Brown used to coach with that team. Ime Udoka literally coached that team last year. They can tell you how they would guard Ben. And I'm pretty sure the Sixers would have known anyway. The answer is not guard him, at least on the perimeter. They need to reverse engineer a few possessions where he is in the corner and the ball will go to him. I don't care if he misses five feet long on those shots. Corkmaz is doing that anyway right <laughs> <Yes>. now. <laughs> so who we'll cares? We'll get to that too, yeah. But it's like you said, the, the bottom line is that not shooting for another month, in the words of the great Jim Lynham, would be totally unacceptable. Yes. He needs that- to keep shooting. And it's, it's, it's funny because it, you kind of sound, and anybody, I, I've said this a lot too, kind of sounds ridiculous when they say he needs to take one or two a game. Because it, usually you would say, he needs to just let the game come to him and take the ones that are open. The problem is he's so open that the Sixers can can get that shot so easily. So yeah, I am. Oh uh, no! If if if, if we he was taking what the game brought to him, he'd take ten a game. Yeah, exactly. So baby steps on that front. Hopefully, I you know against San Antonio, I would really like to see Simmons in the opposite corner. And and be it in the post. Let's see that. Give the fans a taste of that. that that'll be a quite a cheer. And and by the way, if Philadelphia fans can't win, when they boo, they get shit on by national people. And then when they cheer something that has literally never happened in three years, it's oh, isn't this kind of embarrassing for him? Yeah, it's a little embarrassing. Sure. But they haven't seen it in three years, and they they legitimately wanted to see him take that shot. So you know, and, and that's you know the answer to to getting the reactions back to normal is to keep shooting them. So it, it was uh it was good to see, but w- why it took eleven games, I, I don't know, and and that can't happen again. No, my 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 first take after he took it and made it was oh my god he took it and made it. My second take was oh my god why did we wait this long. Like that looked, and and again, don't misinterpret this as saying he has good form, but that looked natural enough where that shot was there so frequently that that should have been, it should have been day one. And look, I get there is, like I said, a, a hurdle that he sort of has to overcome. This is stepping outside of his comfort zone, but that, that we're not at a point where it's, it's about skill development, not for that shot. And only that shot is what I'm talking about. This isn't a skill thing. This isn't a repetition thing. This is a comfort zone thing. And it, it it does make you a little frustrated that we went this far into the season. Like we're what, seventh of the way through the season before that happened. 
but now let's see what the next seven look like and and yeah. and, and proceed from there. And, and speaking of that, as far, as the game moved along, you saw less and less of him. Yep. Posing on. now to be fair, he was wrecking shit on defense yes. and he was playing a great game. So I don't want to take away from that, but you did see him kind of make one shot and go away from yeah. from spacing in the corner. And there was a lot of off ball spacing in what I would call dead zones and and not even the dunker spot. And, and that that can happen. Brett kind of talked about it the last couple of days. He, I believe, mentioned it in Zach Lowe's piece on ESPN today, but he also mentioned it at practice today where he said, which which, by the way. We are recording this very late. Yeah, I'm so bad at this saying. It, by, saying the the time, days. by the time we finish this podcast, what you're saying will be yesterday. And certainly by the time you listen to this podcast, it will be yesterday. Look, so look just, we're going to have one of these. <laughs> we need to have like a, a shame bell every time you do that. And I can play the play the thing. I'd, um, be, I'd be OK with that. But you got to get the <laughs> bell first. So uh, Brett, Brett did mention that he wants Ben splitting his time in between the dunker spot and the corner. And a lot of the time in the first half, he wasn't necessarily spacing in the corner. Sometimes it was the wing. Sometimes it was the top of the key. And there are other things they do when Embiid posts up. They have more screening, which makes Ben more of a threat because you can't completely leave him if he makes contact on that screen and there's a shooter. But we just want to see more of that that spacing because... Uh, it's it's been really frustrating to to watch him not even try to take that shot. And b- back to your original point, Ben Simmons is made for uh he's his his stats just load them up into the take cannon, and you can spin them any way you want. You can compare him to Markel Fultz. You can compare him to Magic, Luka Doncic, and Magic, and and all of these people. The truth is, it's probably somewhere in the middle. But yeah, his uh, it, I think you said his uh, his fans are or I I don't want to say fans because some people who are uh, are not enjoying his game right now can still be his fans, but but people who are super supportive of him. They they did come out of the woodwork after the past couple of yep. nights, uh, and you know, I, again, I thought he played a fantastic second half, especially against the Knicks, and it, it was cool to see a the jump shot, which we've been talking about the whole podcast so far, but also his his energy level on defense. I I don't think he can do that every night because he would be gassed. I I, I would say after a couple of games. But he really put the pedal to the metal, and it, it was uh, it was pretty funny. Your your tweet about not playing against a real team it was it was looking kind of bad against that fake team for a while there. And his uh, his defense completely swung the game. All right, let's take a real quick break to talk about this week's sponsor, DraftKings. Weekends are made for football, and with so many college and pro games on the slate, the DraftKings Sportsbook app can make your weekend even better. Actually, now that I think about it, with all the hoops and hockey action going on. The DraftKings Sportsbook app can get you in on the action 24-7, 365 days a year. DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app, and with so much going on, they have great promotions running all month long. This week, DraftKings is running a special NFL insurance promo. Bet on a team to win, and if they score at least 24 points, your bet is safe. DraftKings will back your wager if your team goes on to lose. 
And with the role the Baltimore Ravens offense is on of late, I think that's where my money would go. And don't forget, the DraftKings Sportsbook app has in-game betting, so you can bet on the games while they're happening. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use promo code QUICK. For a limited time, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus of up to $500. That's code QUICK for all new and existing users to get a deposit bonus of up to $500. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And now back to the show. Yeah, I had uh, I had Knicks fans. They got they puffed their chest out for a, a solid ten to fifteen minutes there when it looked like uh, looked like they were going to win that <laughs> game. And by the way, I would have stood by that tweet even if they won the game because the Knicks' dysfunction is not limited to one good good third quarter and is not proven wrong by one good third quarter. The, the funny thing is, after the game, the Knicks fans would have completely agreed with you. Well, they blew a seventeen point lead with. You know, a quarter and a half left to go is something we've seen the Sixers do time and time again. You know, I, I think I, li- I like Knicks fans. I they, they just oh, I I have a, I have sympathy for them at least. Yeah, yeah, they always travel well when the games are in Philly, and I just feel bad for teams whose ownership makes it yes. impossible to even have an average team. Yep, uh, I I can certainly feel sympathy for having to live through the uh, the Dolan era. I the, and like having sympathy for New York is not something that we as 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 green-blooded Philadelphians typically have. But no, certainly I I get it. I get that it. uh Madison Square Garden when the Knicks are good too is it, it's tough to replicate that type of atmosphere. But even I mean I've been there even when they're not very good and they're just playing a competitive game. It's it's a pretty cool place to watch a basketball game. But the uh, yeah, they they were puffing their chests at you and order was restored fairly quickly, I'd say. Yeah, it was it was funny. They Sixers had two really bad moments stretches during that game, um, you know, midway through the second period when they just I mean, they they could not stop New York at all. I think Knicks scored on what, like eight straight trips down the down the floor. And then they start the second half when the Sixers offense was just an absolute disaster. Awful. And during Ugh. the second quarter, I still felt pretty good about my tweet. Uh, had no real concern that the Six were going to lose that game. Was I a little concerned in the third quarter? Yeah. Like 17 points with uh, a quarter and a half left to play is a lot. But I did feel like the Sixers had a had a run in them. You know, they had to wake up a little bit. Um, but I thought, I mean, that's it's the Knicks. Did, did they go five minutes without a bucket? It sh- sure as hell felt like it. There was a stretch... I think the first like seven minutes or so in the second in the third third quarter, uh, I think the Sixers had like four turnovers and like two made shots over those seven minutes. It was it was not good. It was the old Bill Simmons clogged toilet offense, but they they just it was completely aimless. They they yep. were swinging the ball around the perimeter. There were dribble handoffs that were going nowhere, and B did not look all that interested in posting up, and he did not have a very good offensive game. Last night, I was outside not, of a couple of nice passes. Yeah, yeah, he he made a couple of excellent he was reads. Take Furkan's head off with one of them. Yes, and of course, Corkmaz missed the shot. the uh, the The cork is it, it's back. It's back <laughs> in. It's it's not being popped right now. He uh, that was a that was a brutal game to the point where Trey Burke came in at the two and gave them good minutes, and it, it was a good job by Brett to work his way down the bench and finally find some combination that worked but yeah the the offense at the start of the third was it was beyond atrocious and I I think the Sixers are now 18th in 
offensive efficiency per cleaning the glass. Is it me or does it feel worse than that? Yes. So I think, so I, I guess I'll touch on a couple things real quick that you brought up that I just want to touch on. You know, I, first of all, I agree, like for as much as, as we, and look, we just spent 20 minutes talking about Ben Simmons making one three-pointer. And that's huge for the rest of the season. That's huge for the rest of his career. That game really was about what he did defensively after they got down 17. Like he really did put them on their back. And like you said, I don't know if he can ever really do that 82 games a year. That's just a lot of energy to expend. But when he can dial that in, he is one of the most versatile defenders in the league. I mean, it's really what we've been talking about, his growth defensively. And I do think he's gotten better defensively this year. I don't think he's quite at the level that some people give him credit for. But I think he's gotten better. And I'd like to see that a little more consistently. Because when he can dial it up like he did, quote unquote last night, uh, it is it is a treat to watch. And the, it is a, the play, an X factor that no no other team really has. The play he made where he was mirroring R.J. Barrett on that dribble handoff. My God, that was... Yeah. Just this is amazing athleticism that I would say only a handful of guys in the league have. It was, and, and there were a few plays he he forced a steal on Frankie Smokes, who played the game of his life last night. He, I believe he he drew an offensive foul on Marcus Morris. That was that was good. By the way, Ben is uh he's arguing with the refs more and more this year. It's uh that that's not a trend I love watching right now. But whatever he did last night, he was getting kind of these 50-50 offensive foul calls. And he was earning them just by moving his feet and playing at a super high level. But yeah, his his defense was it was it was chef's kiss in the in the third quarter. Yeah. Furkan and Shake were just dreadful. Like just absolutely dreadful. Was Shake as bad as Furkan though? I, I think. I, I mean, think, he had that run. I think he scored like six straight late in the second quarter. Yeah. But outside of that, he was pretty. I would. I, dreadful is probably the word I would use. Um, they M- attacked. Maybe go both a level up for Ferk though. He was worse. No, sure. And they attacked both of them defensively. And when they're not making shots and they're getting attacked like that, it is tough to watch. You know, I do give. Speaking of tough to watch, Al Horford had another really bad game, and he's had a couple now. In a row, uh, his numbers with Embiid and without Embiid, and and Embiid's numbers with Horford and without Horford are pretty bad. You know, I think Embiid a big part of that is just not making shots, and I do think three point shooting will normalize for both of them, and I think when they do, it will look better. But it's really interesting. You start looking at some of the lineup data. The five man unit still looks really good, but when you start removing pieces from that, the Embiid Al lineups look really bad, and it'd be really interesting to see. How much of that's noise? How much of that's just not making shots? How much of that is maybe really indispensable skill sets that make the whole thing work? But I think I give Brett some credit for not going back to Horford down the stretch there and keeping Mike Scott in there. And look, we, you know, Scott got real hot, which made the decision easier. You know, he had what, three or four threes in the fourth quarter. That makes it easier for Brett to stick with him. But that's a $30 million power forward slash center that you glue to the bench for a fourth quarter run. Um, that's not always the easiest decision to make. I thought he was a little slow on moving away from Korkmaz and Milton, but I give him credit for sticking with those guys down the stretch. 
Yeah, Mike Scott, he ain't chopped liver, as he said last night. He had a he had an unbelievable play. I tweeted this out where it's I believe Mike wrote about this on the athletic.com slash Philly. Go check that out if you are, are not already subscribed. I believe it's called Be Deny Kick. I had that in a piece I wrote about a day in the life of Brett Brown. That's two article mentions in in succession there. So. Well, if you if you want to go there, I had an article about three hours before Simmons had one of the best games, certainly of the season, but even really of his, his Sixers career. I wrote about how he was playing too passive and it was absurd that he wasn't shooting and the Sixers need him to take a, a leap. So you can go check that out. Uh, and see how bad that article now looks. Sure. The uh, the play, though, is I, I believe it's called Beat and I Kick. And I got that from sitting behind Brett at the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder Arena, where the media seats are awesome. And that is a play designed to get Joel Embiid a foul line jumper, where, where Ben Simmons screens for him. And that's been it's been a pretty good play this year. And, and they have a couple variations on how to get Embiid the ball there. Julius Randle just didn't guard Mike Scott a couple feet behind yeah. the three-point line. And Mike Scott said, F it, I'm I'm launching. And he he really, when he makes one, he peers the hell out of that shot when, <laughs> when it goes in. And he was, him and Ennis were, were fantastic yep. last night, Mr. Go Guy. It was a really interesting game. I'm going to lump Furkan into the quote-unquote bench unit because he's, he's normally a bench player. But you had dreadful games from Shake and Furkan, but really, really good games from Ennis and Mike Scott, which I think is sort of, you know, when we started looking at this bench unit before the season, those were the two guys you were really relying on. And it feels like for the first couple of games, Ennis was almost a little bit overshadowed. And first it was Matisse and he was almost like your sixth man. And then it was Furkan who got hot and had a, a, a nice shooting week or two. Don't really know what you can rely on from either of those two right now. So it's nice to see sort of Scott and Ennis assuming the roles that I think a lot of people expected when the season started, because this is a, a bench group that is still very much a uh, an unknown and a potential real weakness for this team when we start talking about playoff basketball. Yeah, and just getting Trey Burke in the game as somebody who can handle the ball, turns out it's it, it, when Trey Burke is playing well, it's a completely different dimension. The uh, I, I look back at last night's game, just looking at the regular stats. It looks a little bit better in the light of day than it does when you say, wow, you were losing by 17 at home to the New York Knicks. <laughs> Sixers took really good care of the basketball last night. Yep. They were good on the offensive glass. Wish they would have gotten the line a little bit more. But the, the, some of what kept the Knicks in the game, I think they shot 13 of 25 from three. That That isn't to say that the Sixers defense was perfect. I think that's kind of the story of their year. Where it's been, it's been good, but not great, and and maybe they've gotten a little bit unlucky with their shooting. But the, the Knicks shot the hell out of the ball, and and guys who, you know, I think they're actually an above average shoot, uh, three point shooting team. But I mean, Frankie Smokes making threes, Marcus Morris made some some tough ones. I, I don't know. I, I thought they're uh, considering how both teams shot the ball. I thought the Sixers pretty much dominated the other areas of the game. Outside of that atrocious five minute stretch at the beginning, yeah, and I th- I think the Knicks also shot like above fifty percent on long twos too. Like they were they had an abnormal shooting night. It was not a good defensive performance by the Sixers from any means. You know, I think a lot of you know I think the Sixers got beat a lot one on one 
just yeah. straight up man-to-man defense and that put them in a rotations and they had bad closeouts and bad rotations i don't think it was a well-executed game at all and and i'm sure that helped some of the shooting numbers for the Knicks. like a lot of those were easier than normal even irrespective of how well they were quote-unquote defended by second spectrum and the tracking data but yeah there was just, like if you had the Knicks take those shots a hundred times like that was that was a, a pretty good night for them yeah the, the Knicks game was also another chance for the Sixers starters to get on the floor, except, well, well, they didn't because Josh Richardson had a a day-to-day hip flexor injury, I believe it is. Uh, if I'm wrong on that, I'm sorry. They have played 70 total minutes together. And, Not it, much. and it's yep. it's perfectly on brand in that th- there haven't been many major injuries. There haven't been any for this team. But you have Embiid getting suspended for two games. You have Simmons, uh, the shoulder, keeping him out for a couple games. You have some load management in there. You have Richardson getting this. It's it's just something where this team can't get on the floor together. And you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but again, it's only 70 minutes. They're kicking ass when they, when they play together. Uh, I think it's plus... 18.5 uh, points per uh, 100 possessions, according to Cleaning the Glass. That is, that's pretty good. <laughs> it's not pretty good. It's very good. They are, uh, you know, just absolutely stifling defensively with that unit. But it, it stinks that we have not seen those guys. And uh, I guess uh, on that note, good job by Joel to not get suspended again when I'm pretty sure Marcus Morris would have been okay getting suspended there when he pulled him down. But uh, nice work by uh, by Brett Brown and the Peacemaker on that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with, with Brett getting a little more experience, I think, getting in the middle of Joel Embiid's uh, fights, and I think he probably would prefer. But, you know, did, I think one of the things... Did that, you hear the TV call, by the way? I watched it, but I don't recall it. Z- Zoom off as soon as he got pulled down said, no, Joe, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. You can't get suspended again. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think I think part when when you look at some of the net ratings, you know, the Sixers did have a weird start to the season where they started off with nine of their first 13 on the road. And it wasn't a particularly tough stretch of play. But when you like when you get early in the season, we start looking at net ratings and all of this stuff and, and lineup data. You know, Sixers right now have the fourth best net rating when they're at home. And the 14th best net rating when they're on the road. They need to play better on the road. They need their starting lineup to be in there more often. But they also need to play better. Like, I think there's a a mix of all of this in there. And, you know, Brett came out and he pretty much said, like, look, we're a work in progress until until the, um, basically until you get through 2019, until you get through the holiday season. Which on his... uh... On Would his be a weird third math of the season. is yeah. no, it's uh, it's more like two thirds of the season with his crazy <laughs> math. All right, before we finish the episode, heading back to a discussion about Ben Simmons, a real quick word from our sponsor, StockX. Ever wonder how to get the hottest new sneakers, the ones that barely hit the shelves? The answer is StockX, a revolutionary new marketplace for buying and selling 100% authentic sneakers, streetwear, watches, and handbags. Millions are already using StockX to find everything after it sells out. From the latest Yeezys to every retro Jordan, the hottest new streetwear from brands like Supreme, Palace, and Kit. With StockX, there's no hassle. StockX handles the exchange of every transaction, so you never have to worry about legit buyers or sellers. StockX has you covered. 
With StockX, it's all about transparency. Now you can shop smarter than ever using real-time market data for everything on the site. Rest easy knowing you'll never overpay shopping on StockX. In addition to sneakers, StockX allows users to buy and sell pre-owned excellent condition watches from brands like Rolex, Omega, Tudor, Patek Philippe, Vacheron Constantine, and more. Want in on all the hype? Check out StockX.com slash bball for a surprise offer that won't be around for long. Once again, that's StockX.com slash bball. Check it out today. And I guess we'll end this sort of going back to where we started in Ben Simmons and how you sort of view his season as a whole. Because I sort of want to underscore that it's great he had that moment. It's great he showed what he did. But I do think it's very true. Like all of the concerns we have over the Sixers and their ability to execute against the really great defenses in the league and against the you know, sort of the teams that you have to beat to get to where they can't stop talking about they believe they can go. I mean, this is a team that constantly talks about getting to a finals and competing for a championship. I don't think any of the criticism with Simmons was wrong. You know, you look at his, however you want to measure it, his how frequently he drives. And look, I understand there's less space this year than there were before. I think JJ, the loss of JJ Redick was important. It's, and I don't it's, think it's almost half what it was two years ago, though. It's I mean, it went from like 15.5 to like eight or something like that. It's it's a lot fewer. And I saw somebody uh, a thread sort of get traction and it was about basically well actualing Simmons having a disappointing season. And it used like field goal percentage as an indicator of how well he's playing. And I look at his field goal percentage and I say, that's that's a guy not getting out of his comfort zone. I think it was and, true shooting. It but, was it was over a five game stretch, which yeah. so featured my, the Cavs twice and the my, Knicks. My point is, like, I think a lot of people look at it like, well, you want to take efficient shots, yeah, sure, but it's not you want to maximize your own efficiency. It's you want to look at, you know, the shot that you have and the shot you can get for the rest of the possession, and that's really the only efficiency that matters. And Ben Simmons passes up a lot of opportunities, a lot of opportunities to drive, a lot of opportunities to shoot that shot that he made quote-unquote, last night, Wednesday night against the Knicks. And he puts his teammates into a lot of compromised situations because of it. And I actually, this is one of the most amazing stats I've seen so far this season. He had made three shots with seven seconds or less left on the shot clock. And the only two people who had made less than that were Shake Milton and Trey Burke, who to that point had barely played. Like they'd played a tenth of the time that Simmons was on the court. And we can all understand why. Like, it takes him a while. First of all, he, he he's best in transition. He's second best in sort of like that semi-transition before a defense is set. And then he struggles after that. But when you have someone like that who's just not a threat, you know, we talk a lot about the shot clock and it becomes almost like a sixth defender because it forces you into taking a shot even if there's not a good one there. And the closer you get to that, the less opportunity you have to create a good look and the, the, the lower your field goal percentage drops. But when the Sixers do that, they now have another player who basically isn't going to be a factor because he's unwilling to shoot and because he can't just get his shot whenever he wants. And it's all like, it's the fact that he's shooting 58% or whatever, and we can call it effective field goal. It doesn't matter. He doesn't take a three. And before last night, um, it's just, they're, they're, it's not maximizing his individual field goal percentage. He needs to step outside of his comfort zone. 
He needs to drive more. He needs to be confident getting the free throw line. He needs to be useful off the ball. He needs all of this stuff. Even he had a pick and roll with Horford where, you know, he, it wasn't like he started at three point line and, and, and came off. He was attacking downhill and he forced all five Knicks players to rotate over to him. You need more of that. You need more of him posting up and looking to pass. You need it more out of him in the half court. And is he playing good defense? Yes. We've always been high on his defense, and I think he's ratcheted up a notch. They need that version that they got on Wednesday night against the Knicks far more often and against the good defenses in the league, too. And I think you have every right, because again, this is a team that measures itself as a championship contender. That is the benchmark we have set. That's benchmark the team has set. You need more out of Ben Simmons than you got from him during the first, what, nine games he played of the year. And I think the fact that he wasn't shooting before then was a disappointment, and I hope that Wednesday night against the Knicks is a turning point of the season and of his career. Yeah, I largely agree with you, although some of the commentary when he was struggling... Oh, I felt commentary felt a on bit, both sides are going to go over the top. That's just yeah, it felt a bit poisonous at times. And I, I, I will say that the one stat you didn't mention when it comes to being aggressive, the fact that he's shooting, I think, 3.7 free throws per 36 minutes yep. is ridiculous. He is. I've never seen such a physical player until he has to shoot. He he is such a willing post-up player and willing to muck it up and throw his body around. But then he, you know, it turns into, I don't know, kind of a leaner or a hook shot or or whatever. But, you know, you, you mentioned that there isn't as much spaces here. That's probably true with the starting lineup. That's sorry. That's definitely true with the starting lineup. But he also plays in five out lineups with Al Horford. It, he needs to, ma- I agree with you, he needs to maximize his gifts. It's kind of a two-pronged plan for him this year. I would like to see him play with more force, for lack of a better word. And that means more drives, more free throw attempts, getting to the rim. And, and that's the first part of it. And that's how he can affect the game this year. Also on the defensive end, which we saw last night, probably at the highest level you can see it. And he also needs to experiment with his long range game, because that's, what's going to help him in the future. And, and he's got to balance those two things and it's not easy. I, I know that's a, that's a tall task for a 23 year old while also trying to win a championship and 60 games and all this stuff, but he's got to try and balance both of those things. And in those first 11 games, I was not seeing enough on either part of that equation. So hopefully last night is the springboard to him figuring both of those things out. I mean, we look, you don't have to tell us. We we know he has the talent, but yeah, I, I was definitely disappointed with the, the beginning of his season. And look, like I said, everything, it feels like you have to be on one extreme or the other. Is he a, a very good player? Of course he is. But when you're talking about a championship, the, mar- the margins just aren't there. And they need Simmons, who came into the league with such incredible gifts and such incredible skill, too. Like, I think some people will be like, oh, he's an athlete. No, you don't like that passing, no. that court vision is not an the athletic. Ball like, too. That yeah, is... like he's incredibly skilled. And he plays with effort and physicality in some facets of the game. But you need you need growth in order to reach the highest of the high levels that this team hopes to achieve. It is a, a sport 
where you have not only yourself, but four other players whose effectiveness you have to maximize. Spe- and they need... Speaking of that, did you see the Clippers-Celtics game last night? I did not. I did so not. it's not necessarily Boston who the Sixers beat the crap out of in that first game, although they're playing better than the Sixers right now, for sure. The the two Los Angeles teams, but specifically the Clippers, when you talk about off-ball play, they have Kawhi and PG in their first game together. An insane group of wings. And in crunch time, they're comfortable running a Lou Williams, Montrez, Harrell pick and roll. Yep. And nobody complained because it's a really good play. And of course, uh, the fifth guy, Patrick Beverly, gets gets the corner three and, and the Clippers win the game. But uh, yeah, that, you know, I, I think that shows where the, the Sixers want to get to and why if they're going to get to that level, it's going to take longer than those teams for sure throughout the season. Because they're not they're not there right now. Oh no, they're those two LA teams are on a different level that the Sixers are not at, and they're not playing that well. Like their peak hasn't been that well, but their consistency hasn't been that well either. And we will see how much they can grow. You know, this is a team in in the Sixers and in Brett Brown who have gotten better throughout the season at various points over the last few years, and with the amount of roster change you have had and and, and core players who have changed. You would expect them to get better as the season goes on as well. You know, I think offense typically lags behind defense, and that's certainly true with this team when there are so many unique skill sets and unique roster construction. But they they have time. But like I said, you hope that Wednesday night, is it is it yesterday still? We have two minutes left of yesterday. You hope that Wednesday night. Shame, shame. <laughs> you hope that Wednesday night is a turning point in Simmons, because like I said, the first step that one f- open th- catch and shoot three from the corner. That's not a skill issue. That is a comfort zone issue. You hope that is a breakthrough and not a one-time occurrence. We will see. We have a couple of games coming up here. Back-to-backs uh, with the Spurs and then the Jimmy Butler-led Miami Heat to see whether or not that is more regular. But thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. See you, man.